0: Good to see you. We're happy to be together. Want to remind you this morning that no matter what's happening in our lives, there are 10,000 and more reasons to celebrate the goodness of God. The sun.
1: The passage today can be found in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 16. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the mountain of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar, and as he entered, Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Good morning, EPC Church family. Thank you so much for joining us for Church Online this Palm Sunday. I want to ask you a question as we get into our message this morning. Feel free to just think about your answer to it. And the question is this. Have you ever found yourself traveling down the road on, on the way to something that you know will be a significant moment for your life? Maybe you're on your way to an interview for a dream job or or you're speeding down the road on the day of your of your wedding or weaving through traffic in order to get to the hospital for the arrival of a brand new baby. Undoubtedly though this ride is much different than say a trip to the gas station or the grocery store. In these situations your heart could be racing trying to anticipate every single scenario and the potential outcome of this trip. There's one drive I took That I remember so clearly. Uh, It was my first day uh, of college in the fall of 2013, right? I was in the backseat of our of our family jeep with bags and bags of stuff that I remember thinking I couldn't live without at the time. Uh, And and the bags were pushing my brother and I to our respective side doors. Uh, My mom was in the front with my dad and we were on our way to Peterborough a day ahead of the scheduled time for me to move into the dorm rooms for my first year. Of Bible College. We stayed at a hotel as a family for a night and the next morning we got up and drove me over to the college in order for me to get moved into my dorm room for my very first year. Now, I had a lot to anticipate in this journey. I was anticipating living away from home for the first time in my life, ready to start out on my own and trust God with this next step. I, I, I was anticipating the four years of classes that I would go through and the mentors that I would learn from and the friends that I would make. But I just knew on that drive up to Peterborough that no matter what happened, this was a destination that would have a significant impact on the trajectory of my life. And I wasn't wrong because the first thing we did when we arrived at the school was head into the office to get my welcome packet and sitting in the chair next to the president's office waiting for hers was Esther, my wife. My mom, obviously, uh, having no clue how significant this uh, to our family that this person would become, was making small talk with her as we waited. My dad was cracking jokes, trying to make us all laugh and, and, and groan at the same time. You know, those dad jokes that I'm still trying to master myself, but I'll get there. And I could tell from the start, you know, that Esther was totally crushing on me, and I was just trying to play it cool the whole time. I mean, you know how it is. But the point is, I knew that that drive we took down the good old Highway 117 from Ottawa to Peterborough would change everything for me. And this is just one example that I took from my life, but maybe, like I said before, you can relate to the experience of knowing that the journey you are on will have a significant impact on your life. This morning is Palm Sunday. Next week we begin our exploration of the Easter season, but today we examine Jesus's journey. Jesus's journey, one that would change everything. It was also known as the triumphant entry and arrival into the city of Jerusalem as king. And make no mistake, this is definitely a triumphant entry. It is a triumphant entry. However, despite the fact that there, are, there, there is a definite atmosphere of excitement and of expectation in the midst of our passage today, while studying this event, I found myself wondering what was going on. What was going on inside the minds of all the involved parties there that day? What was running through the minds of every single person in the crowd? What about the Pharisees? What did this day mean for them? What about Jesus himself? Like, just imagine for a moment how Jesus must have felt as he traveled down the road about to enter into Jerusalem, knowing that this road would ultimately end in his death on the cross, and understanding the significance to humanity that this journey would ultimately be. And so this morning, I would like to take the opportunity to revisit scripture, both from the passage in Matthew that we read this morning, uh, as well as glimpsing at a few pieces from the other gospel accounts and take a deeper look at the viewpoints of each of those represented in the Passover celebration as Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And so our first point this morning is this, what this day meant to the people. In the Gospels, Palm Sunday is shown as a day of much celebration and joy, and that holds true for our passage today. There's an excitement in the air at the arrival of the King. In fact, it seems Uh, Excited is a little bit of of an understatement, right? The people in Jerusalem are exuberant. There is a lively energy in the city with the news that Jesus himself was on his way to Jerusalem. And as Jesus rode in, a very large crowd gathered to him to give him a parade-like welcome. Matthew 21.10 says the entire city was in an uproar. Praise was arising out of the crowd as Jesus arrived into the city. Matthew's account of this event says that as Jesus rode in on the donkey, the people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Both of these are great symbols of the Jewish people's recognition and proclamation of Jesus as their king. Their cloaks being spread on the road before Jesus symbolize the crowd's submission to Jesus as king. In the book of 2 Kings, a man named Jehu was chosen by God to be king. And the people spread their cloaks on the ground so he could walk on them. So it is historically an act of recognition of their chosen king. And the palm branches symbolize Jewish uh, nationalism and Jewish victory. They were connected with prominent Jewish victories and were very common even as decoration in, in the synagogue. So they saw Jesus' arrival as a sign of of victory, politically, uh, over Roman oppression, and Jesus as the one to set them free from that. That was their expectations of Jesus, instead failing to recognize that Jesus is not that kind of king that they were waiting for. Jesus was not riding into the city on a horse, clad in armor and declaring victory over the Romans. He came into the city humbly, riding on a donkey ready to give his life for people whose cheers in less than a week were turned from cries to save us to cries of crucify him. And this example speaks to the expectations that we sometimes hold in our own lives, only to end up being disappointed when those expectations don't meet reality. And there's such a A visceral feeling that we experience when expectations don't meet reality, don't you think? Like, uh, and especially when we've been amping up for something and gotten ourselves so worked up over it for days or even months ahead of time. I know as a kid, a big one is the expectation of what you will open up as a present on Christmas day. But as an adult, I get that sensation of, of expectations more or less when I'm craving food and I want to pick something up from the grocery store. Uh, more often than not, the expectation is is say you're buying a quick and tasty pizza to pop into the oven in order to avoid cooking one night and it turns out something like this or you know my own personal vendetta is against bags of chips where you buy them and expect them to be stuffed full of delicious savory crunchy goodness but 50 percent of the bag turns out to contain just hot air these are tame examples mind you but the power of expectations really does affect us in such a way and the israelites were holding on to these expectations for their messiah for centuries They were holding on to them for centuries. And finally, they were excited for the fulfillment of those expectations, not knowing it wasn't going to be exactly as they thought. So we find ourselves back in the passage this morning. Jesus was in the center of this procession. Uh, There were those who went ahead of him and those who, who followed behind him, surrounding him. and They were all shouting, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heaven. Other translations substitute the phrase praise God for Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The phrase in the highest implies to the utmost, right? Or to the highest degree. Many scholars believe that the Jewish people were most likely calling on heaven to participate in glorifying the soon coming king with cries of salvation. Why? To confirm their belief that the one who has rode into town on a donkey was actually their messiah and their future king. And so the people lift up their voices in celebration and in praise. The phrase they shout comes from psalms 118 verses 24 to 26 and it says this is the day the lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it oh lord save us please lord give, give us success bless the one who comes in the name of the lord in other translations and and in other gospels you'll find the word hosanna being said the word hosanna literally means lord save us, which we find here in this psalm. And just like the psalm, the people cry out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. At the time of Jesus, people were awaiting the Messiah. They were looking for a human king in the line of David who would free them from their oppressors. And as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people see him as that kind of king. In fact, in John's account, he recounts the people using words like this, Hail to the King of Israel. The people were not wrong in proclaiming Jesus to be king, but Jesus was not the king that people were expecting. He did not ride into Jerusalem triumphantly, powerfully, in a chariot or on a stallion. He is a different type of leader, humbly, gently, sitting on a colt, Jesus came as a victorious king, not by doing violence to the oppressors, but ultimately having violence done to him. Our second point this morning, what this day meant to the Pharisees. And now we come to discover what this day meant to the Pharisees who were in the crowd, witnessing Jesus's arrival. And this day, no doubt, weighed heavily on them and the implications of the people's cries of Hosanna to the king who just rode into Jerusalem on a colt, like the prophecy in Zechariah said would happen. John eleven fifty six to 57 says, They kept looking for Jesus, but as they stood around in the temple, they said to each other, What do you think? He won't come for Passover, will he? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus... Must report it immediately so they could arrest him. So the time had come where the religious leaders and the Pharisees agreed in a plot to kill Jesus. And so, about a week before Passover, Passover began, many arrived in Jerusalem early for a purification ceremony. While doing so, people kept their eyes out for Jesus, wondering if he would indeed make an appearance and knowing full well that the Pharisees had spread the word that if Jesus was seen, if Jesus showed up, if he appeared, it must be reported. I, I can only imagine that they expected not to see Jesus during the celebration. I mean, they considered it unlikely that in the view of, of the circumstances, of Jesus's circumstances, and the threat on his life, he would not be bold enough to make an appearance. But we know from our passage this t- uh, today that that isn't the case. Jesus does appear on the day of Passover. So what about on this very day? What did this day mean to the Pharisees as they witnessed the man they were plotting to arrest and kill ride right into town before their eyes? I like uh, John's account in John chapter 12 verse 19, which says, Then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. I like some other uh, translations of this verse because instead of saying, look, everyone has gone after him, some translations say, look, the world has gone after him. And as I was studying this line right here, I found that you can practically hear the hopelessness in the words of the Pharisees. As Jesus marches boldly into town, the crowd is absolutely in awe of him and are publicly worshiping him to the point where the Pharisees realize that if they were going to go and arrest him now, as they wanted to do, they would surely anger the crowds who are celebrating the triumphant arrival of their king. The wording the Pharisees use here is an obvious statement, you know, that the world has gone after him. But again, it works to highlight the desperation and the exasperation that the Pharisees have. However, it was not yet time Jesus to go to the cross. So they were forced to postpone their plan to arrest him. In fact, in Luke chapter 19 verses 39 to 40, we actually see the Pharisees try to ask Jesus to silence the crowds uh, who are praising him. And so let's read this for a moment. Luke chapter 19 verses 39 to 40 and says this, but some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Jesus replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. So the Pharisees attempt to silence the joy of this great occasion, but Jesus rebukes it. On this day, Jesus received the praise. And I mean, for most of his ministry, Jesus did everything that he could to discourage people from publicly celebrating him as the Messiah. And here, though, Jesus invited public praise and public adoration as messiah he mentions how if the people are silent the stones themselves would cry out now why would he say something like that what's the meaning of it well it's straightforward enough all creation all creation was made to worship the king who is lord of all all creation is made to worship the king who is lord of all if the people weren't going to praise him the stones would. And the idea of creation itself praising God may seem strange, but the Bible speaks about it in a few places. You know, trees, hills, oceans, rivers, mountains, uh, valleys, cattle, birds, and fields all give praise to God. In fact, Psalm 148 verse 7 to 13 directly speaks on creation itself praising God. It's not an uncommon idea. Yet the stones stayed silent on this very day, because all the people surrounding Jesus continued to praise him. The whole crowd of his followers continued to rejoice, and so the Pharisees, who had placed themselves there to watch and to observe what was said and what was done in order to maybe find some reason to finally do what they plotted and arrest Jesus with, were left with nothing else to do but to continue watching as as the people welcomed Jesus, as they prophesied, Messiah. Our third point this morning what this day meant to Jesus. I want us to finish our main points this morning by looking at the perspective of Jesus, because his situation is the most prominent in this passage. And I can only imagine what this day meant to Jesus. Again, Jesus was arriving into the city of Jerusalem, knowing full well that this journey into the city is one that would end with him on the cross. But at the beginning of our passage today, we read how this journey into Jerusalem began when he asks two disciples to travel to a nearby village where they will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. And they were sent to retrieve the donkey and the colt for Jesus. And Jesus tells them that if anyone is asking what they're doing, just to reply to them that the Lord needs them, that the Lord needs them. And when they are told that, Jesus says they will immediately allow the donkey and colt to be taken to Jesus. But why would they immediately allow these people's property to be taken? Like if someone uh, came to my property and tried to take my car by saying, the Lord has need of it, I'd have a few questions for them before allowing it to actually happen. Well, if we think about it, these people are Jewish people, meaning they know the scriptures, they know their history, and they know the prophecies about the Messiah. These people are actively waiting for the Messiah to arrive. So when the disciples arrive to retrieve the donkey and and the colt on the request of this one who is named Lord, their minds would turn to the prophecy. It found in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which says, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your kingdom is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey riding on a donkey's colt. In fact, in our text this morning, after Jesus' instructions to his disciples, it lists an abbreviated version of this prophecy directly confirming it. Jesus was using this moment as an immediate answer to his identity, that he is the Messiah, the foretold king of Israel. And so Jesus presents himself as Messiah and rode into the city with all the imagery of a king. The Messiah was the coming deliverer that God had promised to the Jewish people many years before. The entire Old Testament looked forward to to the coming of the Messiah, and the messianic expectation ran high among the people of Jesus' day. Jewish history was one long cycle of freedom, and then captivity to other nations. And the Jewish people were currently under Roman rule, and so they longed to be free again. They longed to be out of that rule, that captivity Again, they believed that when the Messiah came, he would deliver them from the Romans and set them free. This was also a significant week in the Jewish calendar. Like this was Passover week when the Jewish people celebrated God's miraculous deliverance of Israel from the Egyptians under the leadership of Moses. Crowds of traveling pilgrims journeyed to the holy city of Jerusalem for this annual event, so the religious fervor and the zeal were off the charts. Part of the messianic hope was that God would send a prophet like Moses to deliver his people. And so here is Jesus, widely known for his miracles and his teaching, along the road to Jerusalem, surrounded by a a growing crowd of fellow pilgrims coming to experience the Passover. But for Jesus, unknown to the crowd of people chanting his praises, he did not come to be crowned a political king and to set them free from roman rule in fact we call this entry the triumphant entry but for jesus it must have been quite the opposite luke records that upon arriving closer to the city and 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 when he saw it when he saw jerusalem he began to weep this account is only found in luke's gospel and is it is significant to understanding jesus's point of view jesus feels great sorrow over the coming rejection Of the people. It's a rejection that was predicted in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 53, but one that draws Jesus to tears as he contemplates the Jewish people rejecting him. The people did not know that his coming to them was the coming of God for their and our redemption, their salvation. This view that we see of Jesus during his entry into Jerusalem, while triumphant in many regards, is also tragic. that he knows of the people's rejection of him. Jesus was passionate for the people and for the city and had compassion for it. Jesus foresees the destruction of Jerusalem that would happen 70 years later. The tragedy was that Jerusalem did not recognize that this was God's coming. They did not recognize the time of God's arrival. God had arrived in the person of Jesus, and the people who were shouting his praises would soon turn against him and send him to the cross. Yet because of his death and because of his resurrection in Jerusalem, he made it possible for a new Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21 verse 2 says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Through Jesus, Because of this day, he willingly entered the city of Jerusalem, the start of that final stretch that would end at the cross. We can now live as part of his kingdom here on earth. We are the church, and we can know the presence of God with us, and we can be a light and a blessing to the world around us. As we prepare to close off the service this morning, I believe examining the meaning of this Passover celebration to three groups of people involved in that event warrants one final look at one final group. So what does this day mean for you? What does this day mean for you? What does this day mean for us? And like the crowds of people worshiping him and the group of Pharisees plotting against him, you and I have the benefit of knowing what happens next. We have the benefit of knowing what happens next. We know that Jesus wasn't the king uh, the nation of Israel was expecting, but we know that he was the one true Messiah, the Son of God, who came to set us free from sin, who willingly took his place on that cross for us. He is the Savior. He came in fulfillment of all the prophecies that came before and like the people on that road to Jerusalem that day we face a similar choice in how we choose to view and respond to Jesus we can choose to be like the crowds on that road surrounding Jesus and shouting praise and adoration to him on that very first Palm Sunday we can recognize that Jesus is the king he is the messiah and because of this, we can choose to respond to him with our worship and the giving of our hearts and our lives as a response to the overwhelming love that he has demonstrated for us. The other choice that we have is to be like the Pharisees, the religious leaders who are filled with doubt and anger towards Jesus, who rejected him as king of their lives. You could say that this Jesus isn't for you, or maybe you've lived with doubt about who Jesus is to you. And that's the second choice that we face. No matter the choice we make, though, it will be evident through our words, our actions, how we choose to live our lives. How we choose to live is a reflection on how we choose to view Jesus, how we treat others, how we prioritize our lives, how we serve our communities, the sacrifices that we make. It all points to whether or not he is king of our lives. And it's a choice today, church. From that very first Palm Sunday until now, as followers of Jesus, we can make the choice to recognize and to declare that we have found in this King light for those who are lost, direction that could lead us from death to life. We have found in this King wisdom, grace, and mercy, and love that never ends. We have found in this King joy and truth, And hope in our present circumstances. He is the Messiah and we can find comfort in the promise of his love for us, in his love for you today. So I wanted to ask this question again. What does this day mean to you? Who is Jesus for us? Are we looking for a Savior? Because he is available to you today. The real meaning of Palm Sunday and really the whole meaning of of his life, death, and resurrection is that he came and gave his life for ours so that we can have access to him. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life.